social media for beautiful food and inspiration. Bitch, make me famous. Just a bunch of people. 
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do this show live every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Uh, also simulcasting to other places that I, I guess they don't matter, although there's somebody in the YouTube chat, which is amazing. Uh, you can support this project. Just go to echoplexmedia.com, click the support tab, find your favorite way. I'm producer Dave. Uh, you can find me on Grinder. Yo, and this is the councilman. As always, you can find me at the back of the line at the post office. <laughs> post office busy these days. Uh, you'd be surprised. It's actually pretty slammed, at least around the you know lunch hour when people be mailing shit. But yeah, as far as PO boxes, no, it's kind of dead. Ah. Well, I'm actually going to discontinue my PO boxes here. I think it's the end of an era. Well, we have some local uh, news to cover, or maybe this is more coverage of the coverage of the local news. Anyway, what do we got for leading off? We're all praying for Oakland, producer Dave. Oh, well, let's see what's going on. Praying for the city, literally. Oakland faith leaders and the NAACP are joining forces and praying for God to save the city as businesses continue to leave after repeated thefts and break-ins. NBC Bay Area's Valina Jones explains why they feel this is the only way to see true change. We've seen protests and recall attempts as Oaklanders continue to be frustrated over the level of crime and businesses leaving the area. Now the faith community is coming together in prayer. We come lifting up the city of Oakland, Lord. We come lifting up the leaders of the city, the mayor, Lord God, the city council. Through the power of prayer and petition. God, we ask you to touch parents that they might begin to raise their children when their children would not rob, steal, and kill. God, we need you. Oakland pastors, the NAACP, and community members tired of crime and businesses leaving the area, including major chains like In-N-Out and Denny's, are praying for divine intervention to restore safety to the city. We have to invoke the presence of the Lord because our leaders don't know what to do. If they did, we wouldn't be in this predicament. So when you get into a situation where you don't know what to do, pray. We know prayer changes things. Those prayers come as frustration is building. Oakland NAACP President Cynthia Adams believes there needs to be more transparency and partnership with the city to see an impact. Come together, tell the truth to the community, what's going on in the city. Stop leading the community in the wrong direction. Let them know what's actually really, really going on. With eyes closed and hands raised, community members attending the service are praying not only for safety, but added resources, education, job opportunities, and a generational shift in morals and mindset to provide those responsible for crime alternatives. We need to have the church um, and the city come together so that we can reach our youth and adults and so to help us change the uh, morality of our society. We need the churches to help plant the seeds in that robber's heart, in that murderer's heart. They don't know in that child's heart, that child, that 412-year-old that got a gun, he don't know why. A prayer for a safer Oakland, church members believe, will only happen through faith. He's going to heal the land, and I believe that. And I just want Oakland to know that we're here, and we're going to keep praying. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. Glad we're doing this story now and not 15 years ago when I was like the most obnoxious atheist walking the planet. Um, <laughs> Same. <laughs> 
I are mean, you, are you more of an agnostic now, or how do you? How oh do you no, no. Things? I mean, I'm still an atheist. I just don't care that much. <laughs> it's just not that important, actually. Like, you it's know, like, yeah, you get, you get a little older, and suddenly it's like it's not that important. And that's kind of why you're an atheist in the first place, right? It's not that important. right, right. Going back to the going back to the roots of meh. Yeah, um, I do believe in the power of spirituality. I think I think that you can manifest. Um, the things can can be manifested. Um, with good vibes and good faith. Um, but generally speaking, it, it, it's, it's always the actions of people that, that manifest things. Um, and if anything, prayer um, helps folks focus or gives folks um, a release that their minds can focus on other things um, and maybe absolves them of uh, a pressure that's undue on them in making decisions, things of that nature. But anyway, um, I don't know that prayer is going to solve all of Oakland's issues. I mean, Oakland has issues just like any other major city has issues and Oakland has always had major city kind of issues. So uh, I don't know that this is going to resolve any of that. And I don't know that Oakland's necessarily going down the great hole in the, you know, the earth or the beret tar pits or whatever and sinking into the abyss. I think that Oakland's going to be fine. I think San Francisco will be fine. I think San Jose will actually be fine. Um, despite what everyone thinks. Uh, so I, I would advise folks to yes, pray, be faithful um, and, and have faith that things will, will work out and just be, be good, be good on your corner. What if, what if God just decided that there shouldn't be a Denny's or a in and out burger in Oakland, like for, through, you know, whatever divine method that, uh, uh, an omniscient and omnipotent, uh, being would make those decisions. Maybe God is trying to tell y'all to eat at home, eat some good home cooking and don't go out and fill your face with double doubles and moons over my hammy. Cause it's not good for your health. At least not every day. So this, this, the problem, the problem with this is that like, it's not the prayer so much. It's like this sort of doom and gloom message. And mm. like, I think like in like, not just in a city, but in like societies and cultures, things just sort of ebb and flow, right? Things change. They get what we would say call better or call worse. And I don't know, maybe just fucking ride it out, man. Ride it out. It's, it's, it's probably sure. going to get, it's things are, things are just fucking probably going to get better. I don't know. Maybe they get worse. I don't even know. Like, is, is it bad? Is it like nineties bad? It's not like late eighties, early nineties bad, but also I like wonder was that now that I think about it, was that shit all ginned up because they got bored with the fucking satanic panic. And so now it had to be crime, like just regular yeah, ass they crime. They had to scare some. They had to use something to scare people so that they didn't have to build Bart all the way down here, right? Right. Uh, yeah, maybe it was so just I, so that Bart. Maybe it was just San Jose waging a propaganda campaign to keep Bart out of uh, San Jose by calling it Mokeland. That was what stood for <laughs> Mobile Oakland. There's always someone to gain. There's always some money to be gained somewhere, somehow, or some power or some modicum of um, you know game to be gained uh, from ginning things up and from uh, you know having that clickbait headline or uh, just constantly focusing on the negative side of stories, right? And the more, or the just the more salacious side of stories, right? Because the good side is, tends to be a little more melbatose, right? Even though it's good. You think you'd want to share good news. So I think that's just a standard across local news in general. Um, and I mean, I, you, you'd have to say, on the whole, um, American society at least, I don't know, over the course of the last 250 years has become moderately more inclusive on you know uh whatever you want to call it uh uh 
uh, welcoming, uh, true to its values. We're still a long way from there, and you can ask any black person that, and they'll, they'll tell you for sure where we're at right now. Um, but yeah, over the course of time, the the arc does bend uh, to to betterment, I think, and it has. It's just a question of to me. It's always been a question of the nexus point. Like, are we bending towards good at sharp enough of an angle that we'll be able to cut off like destroying ourselves, right? Or 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 uh, just not being able to sustain this civilization right are we going to be is this civilization going to survive itself that's the real question because i think we could get to a good place but i don't know if we're going to be able to make it with the climate and uh you know uh racism and 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 violence and genocide popping up all over the place so i've you know uh, put out this hypothesis a couple times i think that there's like an ambient floor basically of like crime and violence and i think that things have been on a long enough downward trend that that fucking that fucking ball or whatever might just be bouncing off the floor. <laughs> yeah, so, right. You know, sometimes yeah. it bounces a little harder off the floor than it than it otherwise than it was doing. You know, last time, and and I just don't know if like we're, you know, because you're never going to get to a place where people aren't doing what you know bad shit or whatever. So like, how far down does it have to go before the only place to go is up? Yeah, you you just nailed it. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I we were in the middle of a city council race here in my uh, my district, and a mailer just came out the other day, or a, I'm sorry, a door hanger just landed on our door the other day, um, talking about how the candidate was good for public safety and had a little graph of property crimes uh, in San Jose over the past three years, literally like 2020, 2021, 2022, I think, or was it no 21, 22, 23, right? Right. Just the raw numbers of property crimes. The graph was a V, right? So. 2020 we're reading from 2021 2022 2023 right and it highlighted oh the property crimes jumped 14 percent from 2022 to 2023 but it's pretty much the same number it was in 2021 (laughs) so what if what if at the bottom of that v is the fucking floor and that was in the middle of the pandemic it was the same number as it was last year right so it's not as though that there's some sort of massive covid shift either happening here so san jose is fucking safe city is what that says to me right san jose is a generally safe city and like you said it's exactly what's happening it's we're bouncing off the bottom oh we're not the safest city in america this year we're fourth oh we're seventh oh we're sick we're third oh we're the safest city in america again right and, um, and it's like no one anyone can claim credit for it it's just in general and you know city back to oakland oakland is like a more sort of dynamic place overall than san jose it's an older city it has more history yeah. um and, you know, San Jose has got a, a gap between the rich and the poor, but San Jose is a much richer city uh, than Oakland is, like, just overall. And so, I don't know, you know, it's more gentrified. Um, and so, it's just yeah. maybe the bounces off the floor in San Jose are going to not be as, you know, big as maybe the bounces off the floor in um, Oakland. And again, this is just yeah. a hypothesis I have. I don't know. Have we hit the bottom? Who fucking knows? But it's like, yeah, it's, God knows. We, we, I don't know, like, how much lower this shit can get, right? Because, like, mm. you know, you have, you have major cities in the United States where there's, like, a couple dozen homicides now in, in, in any given year. And it's like, yo, that's, that's fucking amazing. If you would have told somebody in, like, 1989 that there were going to be major cities in the USA with 23 homicides, they would have mm-hmm. shot you. Right. They would have added probably, one to their already incredibly high homicide rate in 1989. <laughs> it would have killed you. 
East Palo Alto, zero homicides last year. So right, good on, good on them, right? And so, um, so I just yeah, wonder. No, I, you, oh, go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I was going to say you, the only person who really knows is God, right? So <laughs> right, guess, maybe they're asking the right person. God only knows. Yeah, what if God um, comes back and is like, I've lowered the homicide rate in America just in in an unreasonable amount, and none of you are even happy about that. Listen, it can't <laughs> be everywhere all the time. I had to. Mm. I had to make Taylor Swift win the Super Bowl. I don't know what to tell you. I was. I've been busy. Yeah. I, I. I owe Zenu 500, 500 space bucks, and I'm trying to raise money for that. Everybody, you just got to give me some. Got to give me some time here. Travis Kelsey, help me. Um. Yeah. No. I, I, San Jose also benefits just from having been a bedroom community for a very right. long time. It's. It's a history. It's very. It has a long, very long history as a city. I mean, it's the second. Second oldest city, yeah, in Pueblo, in California, um, behind only Los Angeles. Uh, but it, it's also been a bedroom community for a long time, right? It was an agricultural community and suburban and when, I, when I say now, city, more you know, city I don't mean like that, that somebody named it San Jose. I mean, it's been a, Oakland's been a city, what we yeah, think yeah. of so as a cité. modern city. A cité. Like a modern city longer yeah. than people have thought of San Jose in that way. That's what correct. I mean. Oh, absolutely correct. I mean, I, San Jose is really hasn't even thought of itself as a city yet. I don't think we're still working on that. It, we're in like our adolescence as it, when it comes to being a city. Um, we're still figuring it out, right? What's this thing down here and how does that work? They're like, how um, big and how how big of a suburb can we make with the, how boring a downtown is like the goal correct. of San Jose? Yeah, correct. There was a there was actually we can go into it another down ballot. There was actually a city manager whose whole goal was to just annex land and just build you know n not build the city out but just grow the city out right and just have land. Um, and that's what led to the sprawl that we have down here in the first place. So um, and the the services that are just too far flung and not not ample enough to serve such a big city. If we were smaller, if we were like two or three cities might be, or, or if the ex, the exurbs were sort of built into other cities like Campbell and Bertino and Santa Clara, then maybe we'd be in a little better shape. Anyway, we're going to move on to winners and losers where there are no winners. It looks like, uh, the San Francisco supervisor or one of the San Francisco supervisors thinks, uh, we're, we're going to, uh, we're going to put the, the opiate crisis and the, the libraries are going to help. Now the libraries are great, but I'm curious how the fuck they think the libraries are supposed to help with the opiate crisis read about treatment i don't know let's find out and happening today one san francisco leader will unveil his proposed initiative to involve public libraries in combating the city's drug crisis today in the base ginger conahara saab joins us live with more on this latest proposal ginger. what it all means a really different take on trying to address this huge issue ginger and that is true. Good morning, Laura and Marcus. It is a different take. It's called Read to Recovery. It partners with San Francisco Public Libraries. It is also being proposed by Supervisor Matt Dorsey, who sees yeah. this as a key element in the city's fight in combating drug overdose deaths. Now, we don't know too many specifics or details on Read to Recovery just yet. We are set to learn more later this morning. But this is not the first time that Supervisor Dorsey has talked about the significance of literature in that road to recovery. Supervisor Dorsey has been open about his own recovery from addiction. He previously told the San Francisco Chronicle that access to books about recovery are key. Literature, he says, is foundational in programs. Now, last year, the San Francisco Library began a recovery bookcase, giving away materials and books on recovery. Now, today's Read to Recovery program announcement will include library leaders who are expected to speak to the popularity of recovery 
discovery books and why these, they say, have been flying off the shelves. This comes weeks after learning the city recorded a tragic number of overdose deaths last year, 806 to be exact. That is the most on record. The end of 2023 saw a glimmer of hope, as health uh, officials in the city called it, with a decrease in the number of deaths from December 2023 compared to the year before. But the latest medical examiner's report has recorded 66 deaths from accidental overdoses overdoses rather in the month of January alone. And the announcement today is really looking to take a different, uh, a different unique approach to this and hopefully one that I think the city can really gather around and say hope it works right yeah I think so I think a lot of people are hoping that we see the effect that it has on a lot of folks in the city so hopefully this is one step moving forward in the right direction all right thanks ginger but that's that you just said that like he didn't have any specifics he's like oh you know you know it's crazy actually is that I you know nobody who ever has uh, been struggling with uh, substance abuse has ever thought of reading <laughs> or like finding resources at the library to better themselves right oh my god in heaven yeah the, uh, it's just smacks of dumbassery um from elected officials and it's no surprise it's matt dorsey a former the former cop uh now turned soma representative um who's pushing this um just the sort of reactionary knee-jerk old school thinking about drug addiction and, and rehab. And also just, um, like you said, coming with the old idea again, right? The other thing that people are already doing, um, right? Like, the, like they've discovered it for the first time. This is the thing that, pe it's my, one of my biggest pet peeves about local campaigns and local elections because so few of us out here in the world pay attention to local politics, right? And what's actually going on at City Hall, what's actually, what policies are actually coming out, even though they impact us immediately like almost daily um we do we don't really cover and, and think about it all that much except on this show yay uh and because of that uh candidates and politicians are able to get away with um you know throwing things out there that are already happening or or just a sort of old hat if you know what's going on right and stuff that's not anything new they just make it sound new and they make it sound into the voters and they win elections and then they don't really do much because they didn't really propose much new in the first place. So they kind of sit there and, and collect dust. And that's not really fun. Um, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves about local elections. I really wish that people, we, I, I really hope that we'll pay more attention in general. Um, cause that way it'll help us hold these candidates accountable for what they say. Yeah. I just don't know like what the fuck is the library supposed to do? I don't understand. Like they're already, the library is already providing a valuable service. They, they stock a bunch of books they obviously don't make any money. They're the library. So they're yeah. like a public service where you or I, if we heard about a book and we're like, ah, you know, I don't really, you know, maybe the book's only available in hardback and it's a little expensive. Maybe you go to the library, pick up that book and not have to pay fucking 50 bucks for it or whatever. And then you take it back to the library and somebody else reads it. I don't like what the fuck, what is the, like, what else are they supposed to do? I mean, I know they have like programs and you know, you can go see talks and, you know, uh, they have, you know, little classes and stuff there and that's great. But like that stuff's like, uh, like bonus material, right? This is yeah. like, I don't know, like what the shit else is the library supposed to do. I just, they can provide resources and access to resources for people who are looking for like, you know, housing or jobs or things like of that nature. Um, even health services, 
when it comes to mental health or drug addiction, right, these are very specific issues that, you know, folks are not necessarily going to just walk into a library and think you say, I'm, I'm a drug addict. I need help for drug addiction. I'm going to look online for resources for drug addiction, right? No, that's just not how, how it works from real, realistically. Um, depending on the city, I don't know how San Francisco runs. San Jose actually has quite a few social programs running through its library, like you said, um, classes, workshops, uh, seminars, uh, even direct service programs, right? Um, but nothing like this, nothing like drug treatment. That's a whole specific thing that needs to be under like county or sit, in this case, county and city, San Francisco, public health, not the library. The librarians are not equipped to deal with whatever he's thinking they're going to deal with, right? I don't know what you, you're right. I have no idea what they're, what they're thinking this is going to be and what kind of resources the library are going to provide to folks who genuinely just need a, 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 you know, a bed. They need a place to, to, all a home. They need the place to um, be able to chill the beans and uh, get to a space where they can confront their addiction, right, with help um, from professionals. And that's not going to happen in the library, right? And like to be like, and sometimes like you start asking the library to do too much, and it's a problem. Like I remember, you know, this is nothing really to do with what we're talking about, but Madison Star Moon decided to have a chemtrails conference at the library. And I feel like right. that's outside the scope of the library. And I think like, <laughs> you know, one of the things she wanted to do was to like, she's like, oh, you know, I need an armed guard in case the shills show up. And the library is like, the fuck you do? <laughs> like, Well, just well, anyone can rent the community room. Not everyone can get security to guard the community room. You know <laughs> right. Right. But I'm, uh, yeah, but I'm just saying you know, that like, you know, it's a pretty open place that'll like generally kind of let people do what they need to do as long as they're being, you know, reasonably quiet and not bothering yeah. anybody. And I, I don't know, like outside of that, you know, they could have, a, um, we need, you know, maybe they already do. Maybe there's a room where you can get pamphlets about like government programs. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. Can you register to vote at the library? I pro- oh yeah, no, you can do, you can, yeah, you can do all these, all these things. You can find all that you know, stuff there. I just don't know that I'm just thinking of, the person who is in that space, right? That they're um, addicted to drugs or high on drugs or they're experiencing mental health issues. Right. I just don't know that that's their first instinct is to go and seek it out. Right. Like that we hear a lot about how, Oh, we need to, you know, con- uh, we need to uh, take these folks and put them, put them into treatment, you know, involuntarily. We need to um, uh, consign them to, to treatment because they don't know how to handle themselves, right? Oh, so now we're going to entrust librarians, folks who are not trained to deal with this, and, and ask them to do it? Um, no. Like, out of respect to our librarians, I'll say no, because they're just not, that's not their game. That's not what they're trained to do. They're very well-trained individuals, librarians. Um, it takes a lot of training and a lot of licensing and certification to become a librarian, but they're not trained to do that. There's other people who are trained in the health space who are specifically trained to deal with these kind of issues, and they should be the ones dealing. So if you're going to embed those people in the library, great. But I don't see how that's that makes any sense at all when you already have a county health department and facilities that are built for this. kind. Of, I mean, you don't have the facilities yet. Got to work on that. But you have the team, the staff and the department and the, the, the infrastructure to handle it much more so than the library does, I'm guessing. Now, if we, you could reimagine some kind of um, uh, community or city or county resource um like almost like a business park right but like a like yeah. resources and the library is there i could Correct. imagine that you'd have like the you know i would have not that i put make sure not to put the fuck jail there fucking the library to jail pipeline doesn't exist yet and i'd like to not put them in close proximity to one another but like if there's you know you got the library there and then there's i don't know uh, 
shelter and uh, fucking yeah. you know public health, health 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 clinic. Yeah, absolutely. You put those all in like a central location in a downtown or an easily accessible area. Then that's great. But the mm-hmm. library is still the library. And they're not, you know, they're not to be confused with building 17 C or whatever, where, you know, you go pay your, you know, they're a real easy place to pay your, pay your parking tickets over here too. So you don't got to go, you know, schlep down to city hall or whatever, you know, just little, little stuff yeah. like that, that makes it easier for people to interact with the, with the government and get like resources they need. If the library is a part of that, great. But like the, the library doesn't have, you can't, you can't just build all this shit into the library. The library already doing the library already using their space for uh, books and like conference rooms and like other resources and administration for the library and stuff. And if, if that's what this guy's proposing, fucking great. Yeah. Put other resources around the library, but you can't just fucking make the library the one stop shop for whatever's bothering you and fucking isn't working out for you in your community. Because like you said, the people that work at the library, like some libraries are heavily staffed by volunteers and like, And so no, you can't, you can't, you can't just be like, oh, also now you got to, if somebody has a, you know, is living with a, a substance abuse problem now that uh, this is a, you're the first point of contact and the librarian's like the hell I am. I'm not a licensed social worker. Like what the, what the F right? Um, no, absolutely. Uh, can't, you cannot put this on them at all. To be fair, uh, he has said that it's, you know, they're part of, or they're, but he said that they're a key part of the solution, but he did say they're part of the solution. That being said, he hasn't exactly revealed what the rest of the solution is. So at this point, this is all we know. Um, we'll keep tabs on this as, as it goes along. But um, I def having come from a background where I know a lot of folks who work in libraries and a lot of librarians, um, they're actually very exciting and fun, loving people. They're not what you would expect. Um, I, I know that they would not be excited about this and being asked to take this on um especially when there are professionals out there that deal with it on a daily basis but leave it to a cop to think very simplistically about how to treat drug addicts to, to be fair at least he's not suggesting that it that mo- at least he's not suggesting more of the responsibility for the mental health uh problem go to the cops but that doesn't mean the library is the right place either true that's very true <laughs> he doesn't want to yeah he doesn't want to defund the cops uh, he probably does want to defund the library. Somebody in chat was uh, said something that I thought was a little bit interesting. They're like, what if this is like a stealth plan to go after the library system? Because they're like, well, look, we tasked you with this impossible task and, and you, you couldn't do it. Up. What are we paying you? What are we funding yeah, the right. library for? Just books? Just books? I can have books at my house. There's a, libra- <laughs> there's a library in front of my, my neighbor's house, the little library. I just take books from that. I learned how to cook from one of those books. Anyway, um, well... We'll, we'll keep tabs on Mr. Dorsey and all of his, his lovely proposals. We'll see if he has another announcement about the this, the continuum of care he's proposing. And up next for uh, winners and losers, we have uh, poll results from the kinds of people who would uh, willingly answer questions uh, that are asked in a poll about the city. So let's see what happens here. The city is headed in the wrong direction. That is a result of a new opinion poll sponsored by the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce. And that could prove problematic for Mayor London Breed as she seeks re-election. But as NBC Barrier's Sergio Quintana shows us, measures that the mayor is backing do have strong support. The new poll results were released during the Chamber of Commerce. Damn, that room was white like Scientology. Breakfast in San Francisco. In Mayor London Breed's keynote address, she said the city is rebounding despite the negative headlines plaguing San Francisco lately. Now we are on the path to somewhere. Crime is dropping. 
Our population is growing. New ideas are being born. The drop in crime she referred to comes from new data released by SFPD last month, showing crime dropped overall 7% last year. But the Chamber of Commerce's annual City Beat survey took the pulse of 500 likely voters. And unfortunately for the mayor, 72% of those polled say the city is headed in the wrong track. But looking at polling data over the last few years, Rodney Fong with the chamber says fewer people surveyed share that point of view this year. Traditionally, the, the, the sentiment is that San Francisco is not going in the right direction. However, this year we're starting to see that people are optimistic about San Francisco. At this event, the Chamber of Commerce also Except for that 76%. polling on what voters feel about several local issues affecting the city. That includes questions about three measures the mayor put on the ballot. 53% support Proposition C, which would make it easier to convert office space to other uses. 61% support Prop E, which would loosen restrictions on police pursuits and allow access to surveillance cameras and drones. And 61% like Prop F, which would require drug screening for people accepting cash assistance from the city. This is a really pivotal moment for the city, and I think voters feel that as well. And they want a clean city. They want a city where businesses can thrive. There's organized opposition against two of those measures. The ACLU has come out against Prop E, saying it rolls back hard-fought gains on police reforms. And housing advocates warn Prop F could affect people's ability to keep subsidized housing if they lose cash assistance after a positive drug test or refuse treatment. In San Francisco, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. So I have, so I, here I'm going to outline my problems with this poll. One, uh, sample size of 500, very small. Uh, two, this sample is 500 people who picked up their phone at all, which is uh, a self-selecting group. And then it's also 500 people who didn't immediately hang up when they found out it was the fucking Chamber of Commerce calling them. So you were, <laughs> this is like, I don't, I'm not saying the poll is necessarily inaccurate, but that's the, um, that's the makings of a poll that is going to be skewed to a specific kind of person. Well, I mean, anytime the Chamber of Commerce or any special interest, labor, business, otherwise, environment, um, does their own polling, it's going to be skewed um, just simply by the nature of polling. Um, you're at the, the way you're asking questions, the words you're using, um, the, the hypotheses you come into the poll with. Right, that you're trying to prove um, often dictate how the poll is is uh, contrived and how it's it's uh, carried out. Um, as far as the sample size, 500 is actually, I'd say it, it is actually a pretty decent um, uh, sample size for a city like San Francisco, size of San Francisco, um, for a poll of this nature. Generally, 400 to 500 people is about average. Yes, it is folks who, in this case, at least pick up the phone. Um, I've taken a lot of. Uh, text or I've gotten a lot of text polls lately or at least you get a, a link in a text and it sends you to a, a web-based form uh kind of poll um so I don't know that they included that in this poll or if it was just phone calls um but they are getting more savvy with contacting people right in other ways not just phones so it's not just everyone picks anyone picks up a landline um that being said it's also likely voters and likely voters in primaries especially like the one coming up um tend to be older tend to be more people who do not necessarily pick up the phone, but have the you know the phone line still right, and 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 you talk on the phone. Um, even though I don't really like to talk on the phone at all anymore. Uh, so that being said, the the that space, you know, they they got an accurate enough number. The way the poll is skewed is just how it was you know presented, how the questions were phrased, and we don't know that at all, right? We have no idea. Um, but uh, I mean, it's anytime you're over seventy percent wrong track, that's significant. It, it doesn't bode well necessarily for the folks in charge, 
what London Breed is doing, which is politically genius in some ways, is being is pivoting herself to fit the moment, right? So she has been in charge and people think things are on the wrong track. However, she's the one proposing these new changes, right, that are supposed to fix things. And as you can see, 60% of people support the fixes, right, which are her babies. So if she can tie herself to those things, she can pivot, she can pitch herself as part of the change, right, and not part of the problem. Because um, that's usually the, what you end up in a situation with a you know low favorables or low uh, faith or, or bad, wrong track, high wrong track numbers is the incumbents are in trouble. But she's trying her best to play the non-incumbent card and to be um, the agent of change. And we'll see if she succeeds. I also have this thought that maybe you're never going to get more than 50% of the people in any given city to say that the city is on the right track. And it's, it's, it's for a variety rare. of fucking reasons, right? Like it's, yeah. it's well, the grass, the grass is always greener. No one is ever satisfied, right? It can always get better. We're, you know, um, we're all, you know, like we said, we're on, we're arcing towards better, but even us, we, we know things could be better in certain ways. Right. Um, all that being said, I almost never answer that question as wrong track. I almost always say either, you know, generally the right direction or no opinion because I, I don't necessarily feel like we're ever on the wrong track entirely. Um, it takes a lot to put us on the wrong track. So up next, we're going to follow up on a story we've been uh, keeping track of. There are two more uh, San Jose cops named in the racist text scandal that we've been uh, dun, dun, following. Dun. And I see video from a deposition here. And if there's one thing I really like, it's a fucking deposition. So let's, let's take a look at the audio. Uh, let's take a look at this. Uh, let's take a look at this here. Details are coming to light in the racist tech scandal involving San Jose police. An officer accused of shooting a black man at a restaurant resigned after the text messages first came out back in November. And now KTVU has uncovered the identities of two more officers involved. KTVU's Joey Horta has the latest development. <laughs> Former San Jose police officer Mark McNamara is accused of excessive force after shooting that guy's face just looks like excessive Green force four times on the steps of a taqueria in March of 2022. Green had just confronted a gunman inside the restaurant and disarmed him. Attorney Angel Alexander is representing Green. But this one officer who has said not just once but multiple times that he hates black people ended up shooting the black male. KTVU has reviewed a copy of the unredacted texts, which identify two more officers accused of texting about the shooting. A message from Officer Brandon LeTemplier to McNamara a day after the shooting reads, Yeah, bruh, I heard it was you right away. I was like, oh, my boy ganked some fool. F yeah, LOL. McNamara responds, your turn, LOL. What? Letemplier is still with the department, but he's on paid administrative leave. I fucking Another hope so. Message from Officer Billy Haggerty to McNamara reads, Why don't black people have any sense in their head? In reference to Green's lawyers. The way that policing is done has not been equal. It has never been equal, especially in communities of color. 
As KTVU has previously reported, McNamara used the N-word in dozens of texts to both officers. You know, to actually hate something and beyond having the feelings of hatred, but to make those feelings actionable, to take action on those. It's terrifying. McNamara would resign in November when the police department released his racist text messages about the shooting. Haggerty left San Jose PD in 2020 and is seen here being sworn in as a cop in Egan, Minnesota in 2022. Hi. Hi. David Whitmire. William Haggerty. But Haggerty would resign from his Minnesota job in November of 2023, six days after the text came out. Neither Haggerty nor LeTemplier are on any police decertification list, meaning they can keep wearing a badge. We can no longer say this, this whole one bad apple scenario because the end of the phrase is one bad apple spoils a bunch. To me, it looks like the bunch has been spoiled. When we spoke to Green in November, he had no regrets like about confronting the gunman inside the taqueria, which led to him being shot. That's how God wanted it to play out. And I'm still here. I'm still doing what I love to do. Well, Green is suing McNamara and the city of San Jose. We did reach out. Hell yeah, he is. And to the police station, along with the officer's union, but have not yet heard back. Joey Horta, KTVU, Fox TV. Sharks. So this is kind of wild. Um, you know, you yeah. commit you commit a crime or you have a felony or whatever. Uh, it stays on your record basically for the rest of your fucking life unless you fucking somehow manage to get it expunged. And even so, if you're like you have interactions with the police, they fucking that expungement only goes so far and it follows you around. If these cops can just fucking while out and there there ain't no fucking permanent record that follows them around. For sure. You can get a job in whatever, Minnesota or someplace else. Uh, no problem. Shit, fuck Minnesota. You can get a job in probably an adjacent city. No problem. Um, who knows if McNamara is going to end up on a force anytime soon? Um, probably. I, I completely agree with the attorney. Like uh, the, 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 <laughs> the bunch is spoiled. Um, we need to do some serious overhaul here in this. And that's, that's just, it's amazing. The, the goal, I mean, it's not amazing. I guess, not even surprising anymore um given that we know how how uh pervasive this mentality is but just to see it in black and white no pun intended in texts you know between officers just so blunt like not even like uh, you know alluding to or uh, making allusions or aspersions or uh, metaphors no it's just like black people are stupid and i want to kill them right like, and you should go shoot one too. I just got mine. You should go get your. You've got to be kidding me. These people should not be like banned from, you know, uh, serving. That's a pro. Having those thoughts should be, or just putting that in writing should be a prosecutable offense. You're such a goddamn idiot on top of being a bigoted bastard with a gun, right? Like you should be able to go to jail just for being stupid enough to put that in a text. Um, so it's, oh, it boggles the mind. I w I'm glad they didn't talk to their attorneys. Because I don't know what I would say if I was their attorney. <laughs> you'd be me. like, you'd be like, well, everyone is entitled to a criminal defense, and I will provide the best criminal defense <laughs> I, that I can under the circumstances for my client. That's, I mean, what else? What else do you say, right? I'll see you later after I cash this check. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what you would do. That's why I couldn't be an attorney, like, or at least a defense attorney. At some point, you're going to have to defend someone who did do the shit. Um, and you're going to have to try your, your whole job is to try to get them off as lightly as possible for doing the shit, even though, you know, they did the shit. So <laughs> how, how do you, how can you sleep at night with that kind of profession? I don't know. And a lot of people do. It makes good money.
not for nothing it's been a while but i i did i forget what show it was on it was really interesting somebody interviewed uh, a cop from germany and english got you know people in other countries speak english he mm-hmm. was kind of talking about american policing and the cop from germany seemed more angry about the american police than like the american leftist host of the fucking show <laughs> like <laughs> cops in other countries just don't fucking while out like this they, they don't just they don't, don't. Shit, man! Cops in in Britain don't even have carry guns, right? right? You got to call and the yet, special yet, cop. Yeah, and yet the they're gun. able to f- they're able to freaking keep the peace. So go figure. Like anyway, like yeah, this maybe, is this is a fucking outrageous. Like the the only place that maybe is like this is like fucking Singapore or some shit where if you spit right. your gum out on the street, they fucking run up and arrest you but like fucking iraq you know like iran all the it's funny it's all the places that we talk about on our high horse about you know oh we're so much more elevated our democracy democracy blah blah free society give me a break (laughs) and tell tell that to this guy who got shot four times at la victoria after disarming someone and ending a potentially fatal incident right tell that guy who's now by the way saying like oh i just you know I praise God that I'm okay and I just want to get back to living my life. Like, God bless his soul. <laughs> I, I, I know that attorneys are telling him to just be cool. We're going to get our money. But like, I, man, it'd be really hard to, to be forgiving. Yeah, I'd be in, in, I mean, in his space. I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm a white guy. And if I wrestled a gun from somebody and I got shot for it, I'd be like, fuck them pigs. I'd be a little pissed off. Yeah. Bed, right? I'd be, I'd be like, a little pissed off. I would. I'd have to have the doctor Shit, come in and be like, "You got to calm down for your health." Gotta chill. Like, I, took, I took a, I took a rubber bullet right and too, and I'm I'm fucking raging pissed for the rest of my life at, at all <laughs> cops. So like, I can't imagine actually being shot like four fucking times after doing a public service like that. I was just sitting around, whatever, man. I'm not I'm not some sort of like you know champion of of civil rights and social justice. Um, I wasn't. This guy actually did something to like help his fellow people. And, and then get shot. Oh man! <laughs> imagine, like, imagine if he was just appropriately just angry, just not not even like yeah. extra. Not if he wasn't even, even right. if he wasn't right, just appropriately angry at all of his stereotypically comments. angry. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, just, but oh. he also. I mean, think about this too. He, I mean, he's certainly aware of the biases against not just black men but also black women. When black people get angry, the, people ang- the angry black person. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, people it's, people don't, don't think, think of it as righteous the way that they often think of white anger as righteous. You know, it's because yeah. people are uh, uh, bigoted. And um, but if that guy was, Completely. I'm just telling you, I'm not saying that guy has to like while out or whatever. But if he was like appropriately like, angry, and every time they interview him, you're like, he should. He's like, I risked my fucking life to wrestle a gun from somebody who might have shot random people just trying to get a taco when they were drunk after going to the club, <laughs> and then the fucking oh, pigs God. opened fire on me. He's like, I am very fucking angry. Like he's I like, think- this is the craziest thing that could have ever happened to me in my entire life. I I can't fucking believe it. Fuck them pigs. I would have been like, you get them, but then people would have been like, well, that black man seems awfully angry. <laughs> well, wait, let's wait. His attorney will get him his money and his settlement, and then he will he can pop off all he wants. That I think now, there's a time and place for that, and he knows it, and I think that's good to see. And his attorney knows it too. Um, so let's 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 hope he gets his money, um, and the city has to pay out even more because um, they deserve. Speaking of which, um, 
the city trying to like kick some unhoused folks off of some land to build a dog park? I love dogs and all, but this is the worst kind of story. gentrification. Let's see what let's see what's going on here. Hey, paradise. It is possibly the largest dog park in the South Bay, the dog park at Columbus Park in San Jose, and it's ready to use by the dogs. But for some reason, it's still closed. Official kickoff has been scheduled a couple of times only to be canceled. A lot of it has to do with some issues with the homeless living in that park. NBC Bears Robert Honda joins us from the still unopened park to tell us why yet another grand opening was scratched. Great. Why don't you uh, have a grand opening for a nice fenced off um, safe place for the homeless to camp while you figure something out else out for them? This seems like the obvious driven by the far end of adjacent to the dog park in Columbus Park. There's plenty of space. Surprise. Asbury and Spring Streets are almost completely cleared of cars and RVs people have been living in. This is what it looked like just last week as police posted notices giving vehicle owners 72 hours to vacate. The streets are where the new five-acre city dog park is located. They're not used a lawnmower. What the fuck are they doing? Say there's been a lot of emotion and tension. I have a puppy myself, but uh, yeah, it's just not that important. So as, uh, I don't think that it's right. You know, human uh, dogs lives over human lives. Like it shouldn't shouldn't be that way. In fact, that tension may have led to an earlier delay in the dog park opening. City leaders tell me the recent stabbing death of a homeless man here canceled their plans to open the park sometime after this last sweep. Homeless advocates contend the anxiety created by the city sweeps is partly to blame. They're definitely treating dogs better than they're treating people. They're just, you know, if if you looked at it as um, they're creating like a human puppy mill over here, just cramming a bunch of people into a small space to make a giant space for dogs. But San Jose Mayor Matt Mahan has led a move with other city leaders to make public space, such as the dog park, as well as city trails, more open to the public. He says the city... It depends on who you think the public is. ...to help unhoused people relocate to safe, dignified places and find alternatives to sprawling encampments. I have to defer to our city workforce to make the call on when it's really ready to reopen. We've got to be able to have safe ingress, egress, places for people to park, to be able to access this public space. That could be a huge factor. There are still a lot of vehicles as well as the Riverside encampment nearby, and it's hard to predict just how much has to be cleared out before the general public will come to the park. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC Bay Area News. So I'm like, I'm serious here. That was like, they're, 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 they got a nice big open space. Uh, they got a little fence around it. So there's like, well, you know, one or two ways in, one or two ways out. <clears throat> um, Okay, well, if the dog park isn't working, why don't you be like, all right, fuck it, put your tents in here, fuck it. This is, uh, you know, we've just mowed the grass, <clears throat> this is, this is going to be, a, you know, it's a safe place, we know where everybody's at, like, things things could be, like, I don't understand why you don't just fucking shift gears and be like, actually, now that I think, now that I think about it, maybe well, this, we, 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 we cleaned this place up, like, go back. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, it doesn't have to be a, a whatever, six of one, half dozen of the other, it can be both, you can have both things, there's so much space there, and there's so much opportunity there to um, to be humane, and to support our, our dog friends as well, too, and frankly, I'll bet you, I would guarantee you, our unhoused folks, uh, neighbors in that encampment, would tell you that they love their dogs and they love dogs and they they want dogs to be able to run around and be free and they want themselves to be able to run around and be free too. This is not about one or the other, right? Or prioritizing one or putting dogs above humans or humans above dogs. This is about just everyone, like respecting everyone's space, but respecting the fact that, yeah, you're, you're clearing out 
one species to make room for another species? Can't we all just get along and have space together? Um, and can we have some sort of dignified space where folks can uh, encamp because shit is that bad, right? Do we have to just keep pushing them along, pushing them along, moving them away from the streets where we want to have a press conference for five days? You know, I this is just, I don't understand how anyone thinks this is any sort of solution other than a solution to making your, you know, press numbers and your favorables higher. I, I don't understand. It's like, a, um, and there, <laughs> you know, the, the dog park is a sign of gentrification, right? Like that's, mm. that is, it's nice to have a place specifically to take your dog. And there are some parks where you're not allowed to have your dogs off the leash and dog parks are a place where you can take your dog off the leash. But like, there's no shortage of dog parks in San Jose already. Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get it. Again, I just see this space. First of all, I was a little annoyed by the fact they were mowing the lawn with weed whackers. I'm like, could you just get a fucking riding mower and fucking, like, like they we, were mowing the weeds, producer Dave. Could you, but just get a riding mower. My God, you could, you know, first of all, riding mowers are like somebody, it's fun to ride a riding mower. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but I just can't imagine, like, I don't know, you, you, clean this you got the space all spiffied up and stuff and now now you're like why don't you just let people set up their tents in there i don't yeah i mean like i said there's plenty of space there um and they could be doing this they could be they could have been uh, setting up sanctioned encampments for many years and people have proposed them and they've been shot down because no one has the political will to do it Um, and we don't have we honestly don't have enough dog parks just as being a dog owner um our town is just not very dog friendly um so uh, we even rely on like, you know, uh, fields locally that aren't dog parks to be able to use for our dogs. But that, all that being said, we don't have enough, we don't have housing for our people too, right? Same at same time. So people have lived figure, and had dogs without out. the existence of dog parks for a very long time. Yeah. No, very much so. Very much so. I think, I th- and dogs need shelter too, frankly. And, and the unhoused have dogs, like I said. So it, this is all just uh, easily solvable. We have the land, we have the resources, we have the affluence. We can we can fix this tomorrow if anyone just had the freaking political will to stand up to John Q or Jane Q NIMBY, who just doesn't want it to happen in their backyard city, whatever they they want it to happen somewhere else. You know, um, I could I could even see a you know how like when you when you and when you go to a campground, you like even if it's free, you fill out a little form saying what campground you're mm-hmm. on or whatever. Like if you have a, a sanctioned encampment, you fucking section everything off, and now people now people could get fucking mail. Dude, people could, like, if they're living there, like, a medium term or whatever, they could get fucking mail. People would know Imagine where the that. fuck, you know, they, they'd know where the fuck they're at. They'd have, like, yeah. like some kind of quasi-address, sort of. And, yeah, like... Imagine that. And, and and then a community would form there. Like... The, oh, yeah, producer Dave, now you're you're getting way too ahead of yourself. I mean, we're, first, we need to deal with these folks who just think that the unhoused are criminals. So... <laughs> We're going to move on to uh, get your shit together. This is uh, once again about Antioch. They're- yeah, it's a, it's a double whammy actually here. So there's like a, it's like one of those one step forward, two steps back kind of a thing. So I, I feel really bad for the mayor of Antioch. He's going to come up a couple of times in this in this segment. But so there are two uh, stories from Antioch. The city of Antioch is um, introducing a police oversight commission. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, prior to now, I believe the Federal Bureau of Investigation was uh, serving that role in some capacity. <laughs> I think they still are. This is sort of like the city's own, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, owning of themselves. 
Antioch wants to rebuild trust between the community and its police department. Yeah, it's creating right. its first ever police oversight commission. This comes as the city deals with the fallout of last year's racist text messaging scandal within the PD. Here's NBC's Pete Serratos. It should be illegal for cops to text. A, a gamut of experiences. Antioch Mayor Lamar Hernandez-Storp says a police oversight commission has been long overdue, but it took recent events over the past year to get city officials on board. After so many uh, federal indictments, state charges, two investigations from the state of California, including the Attorney General's Office of the Antioch Police Department, uh, these investigations related to racist text messaging that decimated our police numbers, uh, it is very clear that we absolutely need a, uh, an oversight. The federal indictments, investigations, and the fallout from the racist text messaging scandal have put a stain on the Antioch Police Department. And today, the city took its first major step towards addressing accountability for the department by inaugurating its first ever police commission. The seven-member commission comes from a variety of backgrounds, ranging from community organizers to lawyers. It will be similar to other police commissions around the Bay Area, serving as a governing board to create accountability for the police department. Devin Williams is a longtime community organizer in Antioch and was selected as a member of the new commission. He believes the commission can help the community move forward and rebuild trust with the police department. This is something that um, the community needs in order to move forward. We need a, a community citizen-led commission such as this, made up of leaders who are well-versed in what the city needs. While the specifics of the commission's duties still need to be hammered out, community leaders believe it's a step in the right direction. In other words, the police are not going to be policing themselves because that's what's been happening. The police have just been policing themselves. The next steps for the commission will be to decide on leadership roles before holding public meetings. The mayor hopes the commission is up and running with those meetings as early as next month. In Antioch, Pete Serratos, NBC Barry News. I mean, that's good, I suppose, but like <clears throat> historically, don't these these kinds of organizations have very little in the way of uh, teeth? Yeah, I mean, it, it all depends on the setup and the structure and the parameters and the purview and all those things. The, with a, any commission or committee like this, their ad hoc committee or task force that's set up by a city or a mayor, it all depends on what their intent is. If their intent is to just look good and try to restore trust in terms of like, you know, we're doing everything we can, you know, it's not going to have a lot of teeth. It'll have some recommendations. Everyone will feel good. They'll have a press conference. They'll release a report. They'll have cake. Um, and, and then they'll move on. Um, but, uh, as in the case in San Jose, at least there, you know, there's task force that has issued tons of recommendations that the you know hundreds actually that the PD is actually obligated to, begin to implement uh, over time. So uh, it, it can vary, but it's all about the elected leaders like the mayor here and, and how much, how, ma how many teeth or how sharp of a teeth he wants to give to this group. Um, oh, but it could I just mean, be a show, a show mission. Apparently. If this organization can't fire, <clears throat> fire cops, then I think it's useless. That, I mean, you're almost never going to see that kind of situation where you have a citizens commission or a community commission that's going to have that power. Um, because uh, it's, it's HR, it's HR. Um, the reason why that they're able to stick it out is even the mayor and the elected don't have the power to do that. Generally speaking, it's the chief or the uh, the department themselves, um, and then the council has like oversight, right? Um, yeah, that's that's just not going to happen, unfortunately. But shit has no. gone so incredibly pear shaped in Antioch that it might not be uh might not be the worst place to give something like that a go. 
No, not at all. Um, although I think all, it sounds like a lot of the folks that were in, in trouble are under investigation or indictment already. Um, so th this is more not the criminal side of things. This is really to clean up going forward. If anything, I think this, it seems like this is more of a forward looking commission than a, than a backward looking, like they're going to let the, what happened play out the investigations and the trials play out, but they're looking at what's, what are we going to do now to keep this from happening again? Right. Or from, or how are we going to weed this out going forward? Gotcha. Um, but but I think to your point, and the, the easiest way to weed it out is to weed it out, right? Like get these fuckers, get the get the get the bad apples, quote unquote, out of the bunch um, before they spoil the whole bunch. Right. <clears throat> so we're gonna move on to more uh, news in Antioch, and apparently, uh, yeah, apparently the this library isn't gonna be able to solve all the community's problems because it's gonna close. Well, they don't have enough cops anymore, so uh, they've I, all been fired. Here to, uh, have story time. Laron Richardson of Antioch drove up to the Antioch Library on East 18th Street. I was really expecting, even though it was raining, that it was going to be happening, but you know, it's really unfortunate to hear what's happening. But he arrived to find the library is temporarily closed. We do not take closing libraries lightly. It is something that we, you know, try to avoid at all costs. Public Information Officer Brooke Converse says on Friday afternoon, the Contra Costa County librarian made an emergency decision to close this location. She says over the past few months, the library has seen more and more incidents putting staff and patrons in danger. Threats to staff and security personnel, uh, drug activity and drug use, both in the library and on library property. Uh, sexual intercourse inside the library and outside the library. Converse says... See, Producer Dave, there's all sorts of stuff happening at the library. Close a library You're right. For these reasons. It won't reopen until Tuesday when it can bring on a second full-time guard. The library is also repairing its fence and updating its security camera system. The library says it alerted the city manager about this closing, but Antioch Mayor Lamar Hernandez-Thorpe wrote a letter expressing his shock, saying... Quote, according to our city administration, no one in the city of Antioch, including the police chief, were informed of any safety concerns by Contra Costa County regarding the library. These kinds of incidents are not unique to Antioch. I want to make that clear that many of our libraries are dealing with an increase and an uptick in severe and dangerous incidents, and it's happening across the country at libraries. The American Library Association has noted an alarming increase in acts of aggression towards library workers and patrons across the country. It's really a, the choice of the Ooh, the I read some wording in that where they chose not to fucking, uh, like the news chose not to fucking give the meat of the that words. fucking letter. Yeah. ...to kind yeah. of band together to, you know, help this place feel safe enough for the community. During this closure, patrons will have to go to other county libraries to get resources like books and internet access. In Antioch, Alyssa Gord, NBC, Bay Area News. Ooh, bad, bad look at NBC because the American Library Association wasn't talking about a fucking in the library. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so there's all sorts of stuff happening in all the libraries. Sex happening in the libraries everywhere. Apparently, that's where you need to go. I I I always figured you'd go to the club or. You so know. If, if others didn't see it, the 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 letter that they showed or the statement from the American Library Association was talking about uh, upticks and threats of violence to the libraries, to oftentimes in due due to carrying books about uh, queer people, Black history. Um, things probably like drag queen story hour happening at libraries that that was yeah. mentioned in that in that that statement and uh, NBC Bay Area acted like 
they 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 just didn't uh they you know they, they were con- i think they're conflating uh two different issues uh here and contra and, and contra to the library their their spokesperson too was talking about the sex in the bathrooms and you know people falling asleep in the used book section and no no they weren't talking about the violence and violent threats against librarians either um and that is also a very real thing having come from my like i said a library background and knowing a lot of people in that in at least the local system it's a thing it absolutely is a thing they're uh they do feel threatened. They do feel unsafe. Because um, like you said, these are librarians and volunteers, right? They're not equipped to deal with um, the kind of violent um, threats and or activities they, they might you know, have to face uh, on any given day in a, you know, a city. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. They're focused. They choose, like local news usually does, they choose to focus on what they choose to focus on. So we're going to move on to Down Ballot Watch, where uh, we're probably going to be covering a lot of uh, stuff with the upcoming primary election. Uh, and first, we're going to look at yes. Santa Clara Measure B, which is uh, yes. really interesting because the voters are uh, basically going to decide uh, if the voters are going to decide. Let's see what uh, NBC Bay Area has to say about this and what they leave out. <laughs> Changes could be coming to picking the city's top cop. Right now, Santa Clara is the only city in the state that still elects its police chief. Next month, voters will decide on how to select a chief. Here's NBC's Ian Cole. Santa Clara still lets voters decide on its police chief, but they can change that on March 5th. Three city council members who say the process is outdated brought forward Measure B. If voters approve it, the city manager will instead appoint a police chief. Councilman Raj Jahal says the top cop gets paid over a half million dollars a year in salary and benefits. If we cities shelling out that much of money, we want somebody who can really professionally add value to the position he or she is holding. In last six of the nine elections, there was only one candidate. Under the current rule, the elected chief has to live within the city limits. Jahal argues it leaves a narrow list of candidates. We have more than 150 officers. I think less than 10 live in the city of Santa Clara. So basically, Problem? we'll be picking up our next chief, if we have to have election, from those 10 people. And out of those, only two have management experience. The nationwide search is a fallacy. There are 11 municipal police agencies in the Santa Clara County. Of those, nine have chiefs that were appointed from within. Current Santa Clara Police Chief Pat Nikolai opposes the measure and believes it should be someone who lives here. I, I joke. My son's car was parked right across the street and had its catalytic converter stolen. So I know what's going on in the city of Santa Clara and I know what affects the people. So when there's an issue, I can address it directly. He's retiring at the end of his term this year, so Measure B doesn't affect him. But Nikolai believes residents should continue to elect the chief because he doesn't just answer to City Hall, but also to voters. I think it's accountability and public safety. And really, public safety is what my job is all about. On Measure B, a no vote keeps things the same. A yes vote transfers the power of selecting the next police chief to the city manager. In Santa Clara, Ian Cole, NBC, Bay Area News. I think this doesn't matter because I don't think there's, uh, I think there's, um, uh, I would assume Santa Clara uh, is, uh, there's not a lot of crime there. And um, the police chief is not a whole lot to do. No, really. I mean, a lot of folks think this is a pro- another proxy war between the 49ers and the anti-49ers folks at City Hall. Um, and it very well could be. Um, and it seems like there's breakdown along those lines. Uh, it, it has, uh, to my understanding, the directly elected police chief hasn't 
like you said, cause Santa Clara to fall into the great abyss uh, anytime recently. So I don't see why we don't just let, let people keep continuing to choose their police chief. I don't think it's any more problematic than the city manager and the city council and some uh, body of seven people plus uh, an administrator choosing who the person is that's going to be policing the entire city, right? And, and having to interact with the people. Um, so it, you know, who knows? Maybe it is the right way to go to, to elect your police chief. And, and, and like Chief Nikolai says, it's, maybe it is better to have someone who's from the community. Um, that's a pretty low number of officers living in the city, um, but not uncommon. Um, in San Jose, I think, at least when I was doing more close work with uh, police, it was something in the neighborhood of like half of the department, half of the officers did not live in San Jose um, or lived outside the area. Even uh, As far as ways like Discovery Bay, Tracy, Sacramento even. Um, so uh, it's not uncommon at all just because this area is so god- ungodly high uh, cost of living. And even with an officer's salary, it's, t- it's hard to, to make it work. So for a family. Um, so I, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I don't see why I just keep electing your police chief. Why not? If that, if you like it, Santa Clara is weird. They have their own power, their own power uh, uh, utility. They have a directly elected police chief. They have the 49ers in the stadium. It's just a weird city. Um, so let them let them be. Let them be weird. I don't know. I I, I think it's and I, I could be wrong here, but I doubt that the voters are uh, generally going to be inclined to vote for something that takes the power away from themselves. But I could be wrong. Yeah, seventy five percent according to polling. <laughs> Their, their POA is uh, opposing the measure, and their polling says that 75% of people oppose it. So more than likely it will fail. But we'll see. Polling has been known to be wrong, especially like we said earlier when it's a special interest. Yep. Um, but I so think anyway, also here- the, the demographic of the people who turn out are going to be uh, more, maybe more civically engaged, and those people are going to be more inclined to want to keep voting it- voting for the top cop or whatever yeah yeah they're the people who love voting right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's people who vote in primaries in march they they love voting so um so, yeah you don't want to give them one lot they, they're not going to vote to not vote for something no god no i don't <laughs> less power I'm, i'll just stay home and have a sandwich um anyway uh, but up in san francisco uh the, the voters don't have that power and one guy running for mayor at least says that he's going to take some action uh, with the police chief uh, on his own uh, in, in his power as a supervisor, if he were or a mayor, as he, if he were to win. So let's find out what Mark Farrell has to say. The race to become San Francisco's next mayor got a little more crowded Tuesday. I am here today to officially announce the launch of my campaign for mayor of San Francisco. Mark Farrell, a venture capitalist, is hoping to get his old job back. Back in 2018, Farrell, then a city supervisor, was appointed mayor after the death of Ed Lee. Now Farrell joins a race including current mayor London Breed, supervisor Asha Safai, and businessman and philanthropist Daniel Lurie. During a news conference, Farrell taking direct aim at Breed, blaming her for what he calls the city's decline post-pandemic. Farrell says if elected, one of his top priorities would be public safety. He vowed he would have a zero-tolerance approach to crime and would fire SFPD chief Bill Scott. We need a leader that inspires every single officer in our San Francisco Police Department. A leader of our police department that fights for the budget necessary to grow our police force once again and protect residents in every neighborhood. Both SFPD and Mayor Breed pushed back against Farrell's remarks, touting their accomplishments in addressing some of the city's most pervasive problems. We caught up with Mayor Breed at a local Mardi Gras event Tuesday night. Where have they been? We've been through global pandemics. 
uprisings, challenges in this city, and many of them sat and watched on the sidelines, but I and Chief Scott and other leaders of this city, we've been there dealing with the challenges. During our conversation, Breed also highlighting the city's latest crime statistics, telling us about the work both she and Chief Scott have done to make the city safer. Breed says she remains the best person to lead the city into the future. We have seen in the numbers we released for 2023, the lowest numbers we've had in 10 years, not including a global pandemic. Those things don't just happen because you sit on the sidelines and watch. They happen because you make it happen. The San Francisco mayoral election will be held in November. In San Francisco, Tim Johns, ABC 7 News. I don't know who the other person, like, I don't know who the city council person who's running, but we got uh, Mayor London Breed, we'll call her uh, Mayor Ed 210. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, San Francisco's a bigger city. You got, they got the, they got the, uh, they got the advanced, uh, they got the advanced model. Um, yeah, but the other two are a business leader, and then this dude's a fucking venture capitalist. Yeah, he was he was a supervisor and was mayor briefly appointed mayor. Um, but yeah, it's not not a very fun fun posse out there running. I really can't find anyone I'm all that excited about. Um, we'll see if the supervisor who's running is is worth his his medal. But well, yeah, yet to be seen. I mean, I we'll <clears throat> purely vibes based. I am guessing uh, uh, Mayor Breed will probably be reelected and by a pretty large margin because it looks like there's no uh, like. Just even in the way the news described it, unless there's something I'm missing here, it doesn't look like there's a challenger with any clout. It doesn't seem like. No. It's a bunch of white dudes. Um, and she's an incumbent. She's, I think, successfully pivoting herself, as I said earlier, from the what could be the wrong track uh, uh, danger zone to being the change agent, right? Um, she's pushing forward. She, you're sitting on the sidelines. We're trying to get things done. Um, so, yeah, I think she's in a strong position. I think she knows it. And she set herself up for success that way too, because when it comes to it, people who also, vote why wouldn't care that about do to, Why wouldn't that do to the Mardi Gras party? Oh, he was he was busy launching his campaign. Um, I did love that, like the interview, the, the real high, the high level interview with the mayor happened at the Mardi Gras party while she's carrying an umbrella and sipping on a cocktail. I mean, I think that that's good, uh, generally good optics for her for people who might oh. be inclined to not like her. Oh, right? Fabulous because, optics for her. Fabulous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, also that that umbrella. I mean, we we you, you, you that, that umbrella could have only looked better in the hands of a certain reporter named La Monica, right? <laughs> Depending on what she was wearing. Oh, it would have been. It, 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 well, come on. It would have matched properly. It would have matched to the T. To the T. Yellow, yellow, greens, and purples for Mardi Gras for sure. All right. Well, um, we got one more story here on on down ballot. We don't necessarily need to get into that. Uh, that candidate forum uh simply because it might take us over time but we can get into it next week a little bit um but or if it's uh i may run it actually if it's uh i mean run it's just like one during, it's during the basically like one question yeah it's like one question hearing the responses from the candidates you'll, you'll get a sense of who they all are okay what's that. what do we got going on in oakland well as y'all know there's a recall effort happening against the mayor um and the da but first the, uh, the mayor's uh recall effort is kicking off and apparently they had a, a big event to start collecting their signatures. So we're going to find out more about how that's progressing and if they are uh, going to hit the ballot this year. And real quick, before we start, I, this is just like real anecdotal, but there was a guy out in front of the Safeway here in the burbs where I live, uh, collecting signatures, uh, for the recall. And I had a little extra time and, uh, it was raining a little bit. So I was like, oh, I'll hang out under this underhang overhang and do a little bit of, uh, do a bit of journalism, a bit of, a bit of, a bit of, uh, person on the street journalism. 
and uh, he was asking he was trying to get people to sign the recall petition and the overwhelming response is i don't have no idea who the da is <laughs> <laughs> well there you go right they ba- they barely know enough to vote every four years in the da let alone get go through a recall effort anyway uh, so this is about mayor mayor shang tao a lot of the same people a lot of the same players uh, involved in both recalls so we'll find out how they're doing right now in oakland people gathered for a rally to kick off a signature collection event all aimed at recalling mayor shang tao nbc bay area's christy smith spoke to organizers about what they say she should do and why others disagree with plans for another bay area recall today was our our kickoff rally Brenda Herbin-Forte is a leader of the effort to recall Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao. She showed up near Jack London Square today to help launch the signature gathering phase of the recall. They need to collect 25,000 signatures to get this on the November ballot. I just got tired of the, um, the downfall of Oakland. Um, I got tired of the crime, the rising crime, which is directly related to the firing of Chief Armstrong. The retired Alameda County Superior Court judge sees it this way. Every time there's a, a, a car break in, every time there's uh, some somebody can't walk home, even from a bank, all of those things came together for me. And I was, for me, it was, I cannot just sit back and say nothing. But Run. supporters of the mayor have been vocal, too. They held a rally outside City Hall just last month. And today, we caught up with this neighbor near Jack London Square. I am concerned. This guy. About, I'm concerned about all the things that they're talking about. But I don't think that that's the fault of the people that are, I don't think that, I, I give the benefit of the doubt to the public servants that are in, that, that we just voted in, that just got the, the, the mandate from the people of Oakland. Oh, I like him. And Bunch does not think choosing a recall is the answer. But I think when we do things like these recall campaigns, that doesn't help, that distracts from that. That, that, that gets in the way of them doing the work because now you're constantly running. You're constantly on the defensive. In Oakland, Christy Smith, yep. NBC Bay Area News. Yep. Do it so, on the street with the right take. So the more I learn about this, the more I do believe that the decision to fire the police chief was a fuck up. Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that came from or how that, I mean, it, it, it had to be some sort of political thing uh, behind the scenes going back a long ways. Who knows? But yeah, that was a major gaffe. Um, and uh, uh, what they call an unforced error in politics, um, where you didn't need to go there, and it, it created an opening, right? Um, all and all that a rat or uh, any sort of in, uh, in pest needs is an opening, and it could be a tiny little thing, but they can squeeze through it, and they will just cause all sorts of havoc for you. So beware. I watch mean, what the you guy's, say, watch what the you guy's a cop, but my impression is that he was pretty popular uh in oakland he was he was as far as i know he was engaging with the community people loved him um oakland has a very substantial black population hello heads up and he was black and you are api and you fired you api woman you fired the black man you did not expect that to become a thing (laughs) come on now let's let's be real uh, and I, yeah, don't they, know, they, I, mean, I don't opening. know if his like press hits of community interaction were just a uh, window dressing. Right. Um, but it just, it maybe it, even if it was, it just seems to me that it was working because his firing comes up over and over and over again on yeah. our, on our ballots or on our, on, on our ballots, on our down ballot okay. show. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, 
I, I don't I don't know. He just seems like he was a popular guy and, you know, like anti-police and anti, uh, you know, anti-authority sentiment in the Oakland Berkeley area runs pretty deep. So if you got a fucking police chief that everybody doesn't hate, unless the guy is just it. completely fucking corrupt or whatever, I, I'd say fucking it's a good move for the mayor to keep that person, even if they don't like agree with their politics or their policies or whatever, because that you can you can even like trot that out you could be like hey you know i don't always agree with this uh police chief here but you know uh, my voters the voters y'all seem to, y'all seem to like this guy so you know you know you know you bring him up on stage and have him talk about you know oh well, me and the mayor you know we don't see it eye to eye but you know we're we're working on these problems and here's what we're trying to do like i don't understand why you don't do that because that's the fucking that's the outreach to the the people that didn't vote for you the people who yes. didn't vote for you who again like the fairly popular police chief and it's just like that yes. was just a un like you said an unforced error unless there's yeah. something unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about but at this point it's become such an, a big enough issue that i think the beans would have been spilled if that was the case she also could have just been you know playing to the wrong political winds um or just misread the tea leaves you know it, it happens it happens a lot um and uh perhaps you know she read the you know the police commission i think was a highly responsible for making the suggestion or advising um him being let go and now they're the ones suggesting he should come back too so there's there's obviously some factions and some division that's at play here and i think the mayor is just trying to placate everyone and in doing so ends up pissing off everyone um which is <laughs> uh, sort of how the political game gets played sometimes you get you know what about the oops and move on uh strategy be like oops um i'd like to actually offer uh you know i'd, I'd like to find a way to bring this guy back actually i had you know well they could she, she could have she had an opportunity the, the police commission actually reviewed um new uh applicants or candidates and proposed him as one of the three remember a couple a few weeks back maybe a month ago and she rejected all of them including him um so she had an opportunity to to save face and to say mea culpa and bring him back in and but no yeah i feel like i feel like down. i feel like oops is just highly underrated <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely absolutely from the very beginning like you know richard nixon could tell you that right like uh you know if he just said oops from the very start people would people are very forgiving at the end of the day especially americans we're very very forgiving of our leaders and forgetful um so yeah anytime you see someone just say oops and move on they usually have a political life for them sometime yeah. where down the down the road, right? And it's the ones who hold out and and refuse to do that and try to try and stick it out. They're the ones that end up going down in flames, um, and not having any any uh, escape hatch or parachute. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be. There's got to be like. There's got to be some. Either there's this is either just a massive fuck up or there's something we don't know that yeah. is. Oh. That is, uh, there could, in fact, maybe if there's something we don't know, and I'm just really the fucking pure speculation here, but if there's something we don't know, it may be one of those mutually assured destruction kind of things, right? There's absolutely something we don't know here, because you're right, this is not, it doesn't, it's not optically good, it's not going to make a lot of political sense, um, and it's it's leading to problems for her. I think she'll beat the recall, but it's it's just causing way too many problems that she doesn't need to deal with. Um, I, I, so think I think she'll beat right. the recall there, there because is... people don't care enough to recall this yeah. person. Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, yeah, I don't think it'll be on the most of these. Most recalls aren't beat because the person who is up for recall um, is just such a you know magnanimous public servant. A lot of times they have done something stupid and they've opened the door for someone to do some to, to come after them. Um, but yeah, they're rejected because people don't like recalls. They don't like this. They like you said, run. If you're so pissed off, run. Every four years, it's called an election run <laughs> and, and or find someone to run against her right and challenge her um 
they they the, a lot of these folks are also upset because they lost to her because their candidate did not win um uh in the the race so in the, that ranked choice race so um there's a lot of bitter bitterness and sort of loserness happening here too and if i'm if i'm not mistaken the the guy who lost pretty graceful about his loss is that correct? yeah he, still, he, he wanted still, like a recount he wanted to like d- deal with some like procedural stuff but overall the guy was pretty graceful right yes and you have to be you should be in, in that space um let your let your supporters be go cray cray um and go and pop off but um but you know he he, he did everything right um so i this just upsetting uh that this is it's allowed to fester Anyway, we got a anyway. we got we got a car versus vehicle or vehicle versus structure, but in a weird twist from what I'm seeing here, it well, it looks like the car did hit a structure, but then the structure hit the car. <laughs> so- Correct. It was a structure that could fall. Um, so <laughs> when it hit the structure, the structure fell on it. So the structure fought back, basically. And um. I think that well, I don't know. I think uh, uh, this could have been in winners and losers because n- nobody won, and uh, <laughs> because this is on our docket, I, I imagine nobody had any serious injuries. No, yeah, as far as I could tell. Show you a post that the Pittsburgh Pol- Police Department had been talking about here. Uh, there was a car that crashed into what looks like this big utility pole collapsing on top of it. They say the roadways around here will reopen at 1 p.m. later today. That's several hours of a closure there. They're calling it a major traffic collision. This is near Harbor Street, near Small World Park. They're asking you, stay away from this area. And I'll show you the maps here to show you exactly where they kind of want you to avoid. So well, this that's is a whole area. East Bay here. Oh, okay. You see all the incidents all over the place. We'll <laughs> zoom in here to the Pittsburgh area, just off of Highway 4. They say the north and southbound lanes are closed between Atlantic Avenue and East Leland Road, and then the eastbound lanes are blocked at Presidio Lane. Again, it's going to stay that way until about 1 o'clock this afternoon, so that is part of your commute. If you need to get to Highway 4, you'll need to find another way to do that. We're going to check in on... We're going to check in, and then it got cut. I swear swear to God. It's a small world, after all. Well, uh, that was the show. Uh, Um, I don't know if we learned anything, but... um, Yeah, but... This was that was that interesting car versus structure because the car hit the structure, then the structure hit the car. <laughs> if we learned anything, I'd be really worried about this show and the future of humanity. We sometimes learn things, but usually, if we uh, learn things, uh, strangely enough, it's on a Wednesday or Thursday, which is uh, odd. <laughs> and I, I randomly d- Discord chat with producer Dave about the thing I learned on Thursday morning when I wake up hungover. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're going to let you go ahead and uh, close the show out. Well, already then, Bruce Dave, thank you as always, listener and viewer. Uh, we do this for you and only you. Um, please keep making this the ninth best local news podcast in all of California. Um, download it on the podcatcher of choice, but always try to watch on Twitch because the visuals and the, and the videos make all the difference. Um, you're not really going to get as much out of it if you're listening only. Uh, we really want you to you know get vaxxed and wear a mask. You don't need to wear pants. Uh, because it's totally optional. Uh, We're going to leave you with some audible smoke. I invite you to stay tuned for public comment and to stay tuned next week for Down Ballot at 7.30 Pacific. We do it every Tuesday night, except when we don't. So, Producer Dave, peace out. Have a great week. You too. public comment.
pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling. Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar. And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are. Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet. It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink. I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens. Here at the front of the stage, waiting for FTV. Where are those guys who's standing next to me with a pipe in his hand, ready to blaze for me? About five minutes later, we're all singing Queen. I get the fuck up on stage and rock the scene. Yeah, we do what we want. And what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want. And what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. Because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car. To smoke another one, what? and another one Woo! Now just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing, and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it, and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want, and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want, what we wanna do we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight is down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of rockin' Rockin' the rolly, all the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do a sloppin' We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We want us to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Sit back and enjoy the band. Yeah.